Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spech. Hello. What's happening, Derek? I'm actually making a lot of trips into uh, your neck of the woods this week. Are you? Yeah. Why? Well, I'm in training for work this week, so I'm in Pickering. Oh. So. Okay. 7 a.m. till about 2.30 or 3. <laughs> oh, see, I'm gone by 7 a.m., so... Basic, you're you're taking over my spot <laughs> as I leave, and you're gone by three. Yeah, okay, because I usually head back home around four. It's actually so. not bad. The traffic, so at at about quarter to seven or so, twenty to seven, it's it's actually pretty clear. Yeah, until and, you uh, get a little bit farther along, which yeah, where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right around uh, Brock and Ajax. Mm-hmm. That's when it starts to lock up again. Yep, but it's actually not been too bad. No. No, I've been pretty sad, pretty pleased. It's good timing. So a three, about two thirty or so leaving, is not too bad. Nope, you're you're the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the people that are going really slow, we're going. Who's going so slow up there? Hmm. And I see you waving. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> That's me. I'm going really slow. <clears throat> Just making I, it really slow for the rest of everybody. <laughs> Speed limit's under. Why can't I do one hundred and two in the passing lane? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There was some lady in a minivan doing ninety this morning. Oh yeah, in the fast lane, and people <laughs> no, were just passing lane. People, were, yeah, whatever, passing lane, <laughs> fast lane, whatever. The express lane, yeah. the super duper lane. The why are you in this lane and not doing light speed exactly. lane? Yeah, you should be driving a spaceship if you yeah. are in this lane. If you're that comfortable doing that speed, go right. Right. <laughs> um. But, oh, yeah, all that does is just annoy everybody else, and that's when the stupidity happens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. people start taking chances, trying to cut in and around and yep. really Weaving fast. Weaving through traffic. And, oh. and so that's that's why we're getting off way off topic here. <laughs> oh, we've already been one. <laughs> we already had one uh, topic before we even started recording that it's went like, 90 how, miles how did in we the other get direction. <laughs> but what I want to say is, like, a lot of people go, What? If you're doing the limit, who cares? It's like, because you cause people to do drastic actions because you can't control what other people want to do. So get out of that lane. Mm-hmm. I'm not one. I, I stay out of that lane. I generally stay in the middle or the right lane. Yeah. But uh, I see all the mayhem from, because some idiot sits there and sits there and sits there. And it's like, I'm comfortable doing 100. But like you say, it's considered the passing lane and you're not supposed to be in it. Yeah. Unless you're passing. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll stay in the... Uh, in the um, fast lane, or the fast lane, middle. the middle lane. <laughs> but sometimes in the morning, like even the slow lane is doing 110. Yeah, yeah. So I'll throw my, I throw, <clears throat> I throw my cruise control on, 110, <laughs> sit in the slow lane. Yeah. And make yeah. it like three quarters of the yeah. way where I need to go. And don't even, oh, I guess I better, slowing down, I better take cruise control off. Because <laughs> I don't think that guy will like me doing 110 <laughs> if he's doing 60. <laughs> Kilometers an hour, we yeah. must say. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, back on topic. Uh, what were we talking about? <clears throat> oh, I'm, yeah, you're out that, this way. Yeah, I'm out this way yeah. for for this week. So I'm burning a lot of extra gas and, uh, and uh, whatever. It's training. Ah! It's training. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just getting rid of those dinosaur bones. And, hey, exactly. Right? <laughs> uh, last week, we got a lot to talk about here. So last we week We have a was, full slate of activities. Right? Paddling Film Festival. Big thanks to everyone that came out. Because last week we are recording thinking, if you're listening to this now, the yeah. Paddling Film yeah, yeah, Festival yeah, yeah, yeah. was yeah. last night. Yeah. Uh, it was now last week. Uh, big thanks to everybody that came out to uh, support us in the film festival sale 
in Oshawa gave us a ton of door prizes. Big, yes. Big, big thanks to them. Thanks again to... Adam and Michael. Yep. Uh, Alan Drummond mm. of Kingdom Outdoor Products gave us door prizes. Yes. Thank you very much, you, Alan. Alan. That more than makes up for all the swearing you do when you're uh, co-hosting <laughs> with us. So your swear jar is now empty. You get to start again. Yeah. Start with a fresh swear jar. <laughs> uh, a fresh, clean swear slate. <laughs> Uh, folks at Drums and Flats and Ajax, just great as always. Um, it, it's you know they they take care of us. Fantastic no job! Yes. Yeah, yeah. Some pretty good films again this year, and really enjoyed. It. There was a couple really good ones we enjoyed, and uh, got a lot of comments about everything we've 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 heard from people so far has been positive. Mm-hmm. So, so that's really nice. And uh, again, those that came and enjoyed the evening, you know, thanks very much for yes. coming. And um, Chrissy. And Vince, our pals, Christy and Vince. Yes, Christine, Vince, Nygaard. They bought Thank you us. very much. Yeah. And we are actually, because it's from, hang on a second, Innocente? Is it Innocente? Innocent? Innocent? Innocente. Well, it's Innocent with an E. Innocente. Waterloo. Yeah, brewing company. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're drinking the Irish Red Ale tonight, and it is very good, actually. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much for those guys. and. Well, we'd share them with you, but you're not here, so we'll drink them in your honor. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and we will be do. I think we'll be doing the film fest. We'll move it back to uh, March yeah. next year. March there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it interfered with with uh, a bunch of people's schedule. Like, yeah, we we had better think? numbers in March. Yeah, who'd have think it would interfere in one month difference? Mm-hmm. Eh, yeah, it happens. We had great success in March. We'll have to move it back to March. Yeah, we'll move it back to March. After that, I had a couple days off, and then I was off to the shiny city of Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, a suburb of Ottawa, Nepean, or as my brother who lives in Nepean calls it, Nopean. <laughs> uh, my sister know. lives in Nepean. Does she really? Whereabouts? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Nepean. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to get there by car. I don't know the name of her street. Yeah, well, I don't. Yeah, I. I but it's I know. There, yeah, there. she's she's in a house. Oh, my brother's in an apartment building <laughs> <laughs> ah, near Pizza Pizza and a mall. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, she's up yeah. there too. Uh, Ottawa Outdoor and Adventure Travel Show was happening again. Um, I went there a few years back before, okay. just before COVID. And it was, it was at the EY Center at the time. It was much bigger, mm-hmm. but I think they were, because there was this outdoor show and the sportsman show and they were, I think they were combining them. And it sounds like, if I remember correctly, because it's been a while, mm-hmm. uh, people weren't too happy with that. The combined show, yeah. yeah. I remember you talking about The wants all their stuff, and yeah. the outdoor people want all their stuff, yeah. and never the twain shall meet, yeah. sort of thing. Uh, so, yes, I, I made the drive to Ottawa Saturday, Ariana, my daughter came with me. Uh, it was at the Nepean Sportsplex, free parking and free admission. You figure that would be a big draw, mm-hmm. free park. And I mean, it was that way at the EY Center as well. And uh, picked up my brother, and he came to check it out as well. Met a bunch of people there. Sue Shepard was there. Um, was it Marty Morissette? He was there talking, trekking, trek, trekking and trippers? Tripper. Trekking. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can never get it straight. They were there. There was a bunch of people that we know talking, mm-hmm. giving giving speeches. None of the really biggies, like the Kevin Callens mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff were there. Um, But I'm thinking it was, I have to guesstimate, a third to a half the size it was last time when I was there before so does COVID. It doesn't cost anything for parking. Nope. Doesn't cost anything to get in. You just waltz right on in. So 
How do they make ends meet? I guess with the vendors. Wow. It's Ottawa. It's not yeah. Toronto. Hmm. Right? <laughs> I mean, right there. It's, it's, it was a bit of a different feel from other outdoor shows. Um, other shows have, you know, like they've got like five kayak canoe companies mm-hmm. and, and all that sort of big, big stuff. You know, lots of gear, lots of paddling gear, lot, you know. Uh, this this doesn't have that. Uh, it was it was a tinier little yeah intimate and inter- interactive sort of okay. thingy, but there's paddling clubs and hiking clubs there. Ottawa area rafting businesses like Esprit uh, Rafting, Owl Rafting, Ottawa City Rafting. They were there trying to you know little boost trying to get people to sign up and come on out yeah. and check it out. Rice Lake Cider and Vodka, <laughs> Vodka, Vodka, yeah, Vodka and Dairy. So like vodka milk. Like, I don't. I don't know. Apparently, people like it. Huh. They were there doing shots and testing it, different flavors. <laughs> shots, shot, whatever. Shot. Uh, tourism from New York State and New Hampshire. Folks from the oh the Water and Dirt Festival were there. Let's chat with them, and uh, yeah, going to talk to them a little later in the season about uh, all the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven water uh, events they have. In August, from August 11th to 27th, mm-hmm. uh, Upper Ottawa River Race, Ottawa Valley Doggy Paddle, Cross River Swim. Uh, I guess if you don't make it across the river, you don't win. <laughs> uh, Canada Cup Freestyle Kayak Event, Hell's Half Mile Stand Up Paddleboard Race, Ottawa Valley Kayak Fishing Tournament, and the Petawawa Extreme Slalom. So we're going to actually have them on uh, later in the summer so they can chit chat and give us more information on what's happening with the the water half of the water and dirt festival mm-hmm. and well oh booths were selling fishing gear and knives there were some really nice knives there but i have enough knives i don't need any more if, if, if you need more than five knives i'm thinking <laughs> you've got a problem you got, you got a problem <laughs> you need a support yeah. system yeah yeah <laughs> I got a hunting knife and a fishing knife and a, a carving knife and a, a <laughs> cooking knife. and a I'm that with flashlights. <laughs> right? <laughs> I have a flashlight fetish. <laughs> I've uh, got so many. Where I'm, did you just pull that flashlight from, sir? <laughs> I've got, some of them are pretty high in flashlights. Some of them are super bright. And it, I, I don't know. I just, every time I see another flashlight, this is the last one. This is the last one. Yeah, you got that one, though. Is, I think it's you that has that really big, heavy one mm-hmm. that is so bright. Like, you can blind a bear and then oh, beat yeah. him to death yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah. Well, the battery that goes in it is as big as a, a typically normal flashlight. It's like the it's a size of a skinny, like a... Uh, Red Bull, like a Red Bull can. Yeah. The battery is the size of a Red Bull can. Yeah. Like I say, you could blind the bear, <laughs> and while he's trying to rub the, the light out yeah. of his eyes, yeah. you walk up behind him and <laughs> mack him over the head yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, then next thing you know, the cops are there. The bear's given a description of what happened, <laughs> the guy that assaulted him. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, outdoor, some outdoor clothes, hats and stuff like that. Soleil Sports was selling stellar canoes and kayaks, escape boards, uh, escape boards shack. Um, I totally spelt that wrong in my notes here. Uh, they're selling boards. And remember the wing sails we were we were showing where the guys had those that big inflatable sail. Oh yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. wing they hold over their yeah. head and mm-hmm. helps you. They they had those there, and they're actually a lot bigger than you oh, think. Yeah, yeah. At Rove boards were there with their stand up paddle boards. 
Uh, for the places we're chatting with there, Nanook Expeditions, uh, nanookexpeditions.com. They have a paddling school, teach navigation, pool sessions, paddling skills. They do guide-led expeditions in the Ottawa River, Philip Edward Island, the Rideau Canal, and, and a lot more places nice. than that. This one grabbed us right off the bat, and I don't even know how to pronounce it properly. Dojivi. Dojivi Coffee. Uh, D-O-D-J-I-V-I dot com. Mushroom coffee. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm talking magical mushrooms here. <laughs> so, you know. But basically, it's it's all healthy for you. Um, the one... Immunity, vitality, yeah, immu- energy. Yeah. So, the, the, the immunity one, they have co- coffee beans, but it's caffeinated. Mm-hmm. 100% Arabica beans. But there's like lion's mane, mushrooms, chaga, turkey tail mushrooms, reishi mushrooms. And it all helps with your immunity system, yep. that sort of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the one they're, they're saying is for protection. And then there's the uh, other one with the reishi uh, mushrooms, organic Ganoderma mushrooms for vitality. Uh, so I got the, these instant. So it's just you can get the little prepackaged ones in the vitality one. Mm-hmm. The protection immunity ones is a bag with powder in it, and you got to measure out a teaspoon every time you want one. I'm too lazy for that. <laughs> Uh, premium healthy coffee, no jitters or crash. So if you're expecting to have that afternoon nap at work, it's not going to happen. With six functional herbs or herbs, whatever you want to go. <laughs> Herb darling. Um, they're usually 40 bucks for 30 of these packets. So $40 for 30 cups of coffee. That's not bad. That's, that's like- just over a, a buck of coffee. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty good. So if I would have had one of these... Without knowing there was mushrooms in it, I would have said, okay, it's a coffee. Yeah. Tastes a bit different than whatever the flavor is here, but mm-hmm. yeah, um, pretty good coffee. And then you wouldn't, you wouldn't know there was mushrooms in it. Yeah. Right? Shroom coffee. <laughs> but yeah, no, so I bought, I bought a package here and I uh, actually had one at work today and not too shabby. I drink it black too, but you, you can put milk in it. You can yep. put some sugar in it if you want a little bit of sweetener in it and- but it's supposed to be better for you. It's a premium, healthy coffee made with organic reishi mushrooms. Cool. Yeah, on the go. So check them out. Yeah, Sean gave me two of them, so yeah, me and give them, give them will be able to try them. Uh, first Aid Plus. Uh, they were there. They have a whole bunch of first aid stuff there. Now, First Aid Plus, they do your Canadian Red Cross um, courses and stuff, like standard first aid, CPR, that sort of stuff. They're out in the PN. But they also do the walks and wags. So pet first aid. Pet first aid, yeah. Right? That's interesting. Yeah. Who would who would be who would be the person that would need pet first aid? I guess if you Dog ran, walkers. Yeah, dog walkers if you pet store if you if you board dogs or if you Yeah. What do you was that? Kennel? Kennel dogs. If you yeah. kennel dogs. Huh. That, yeah. I don't know if you'd do a 10-hour course if you just had one dog. But I suppose yeah. if you're going to be in the backcountry where yeah. there is no first aid, you don't have a, a animal hospital to get to. and You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. So they have first aid kits for animals. Mm-hmm. So I figure, oh, I'm going to pick one. It's 25 bucks, right? Yeah. I'm going to pick up one. And honestly, when I look inside, the only difference I can find between this one and a human first aid one yeah. is... This one has a little guide 
fold-out paper thing that tells you if this happens to your pet and yeah. this and this. So a pet first aid Do booklet. they have like a, a shaver or razor or something? Maybe you want to remove some fur so you can do some stitching or something. Well, that's why I get my big knife out. <laughs> I'm just and saying, do they, they supply you? No, no. Well, I'm sure there's something in it. We'll, you know, we'll look later. Yeah. Um, I know, I know there's a, like, there's a thermometer in there, um, so, which means, yeah, because you're not putting that in the dog's mouth. No. So you, de- <laughs> you definitely don't want to get this kit mixed up with yours, unless, of course, the person they're treating you don't like. It's got flavor on it. Uh, I know there's a thing for the dogs, like the, and I say dog because I'm not taking a cat in the, or a lizard or something in the back country. Yeah. Um, the pupil thing, you know, you flash it in their eyes. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Dilates yeah. or not yeah. and stuff like that. There's a lot of gauze and bandages and stuff. Well, there's no actual bandages, like sticky band. Oh, I am stuck on Well, because there's fur. Right? So there's all gauze stuff and, mm-hmm. and pads. Yeah. So it's not like a sticky band-aid, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think there's a, there may be a stitch kit in there. I, I'd see that as the only, because if your dog has a minor cut or wound, you'd want them to lick it because that'll stop the bleeding mm-hmm. itself. But if it's a deep wound, you're going to want to, what, trim some fur off and do some Give it a little bit of a stitch and, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I'm going to read the, I just got to, I got to read the, the manual and everything before I take it out. Yeah. But I also have, I got from sale a clear dry bag. Yes. Right. I got a couple of those. I'm going to put this first aid kit in there along with my regular first aid kit. Mm-hmm. So. Don't confuse the thermometers. A third time. <laughs> 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. This one's got flavor. That's not the right one. Uh, but that way, I if, if I need a first aid kit, instead of someone going, which one do you want? You just grab that bag and all the first aid kits are in there and I'll know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the black one here is for the diggity dog. Yeah. The red one's for the people's. So, uh, so yeah, they were there, but they also had this pamphlet on pets and Lyme disease and all that sort of thing. And the thing that got me thinking here, and we weren't really aware of this, in Canada, permethrin-treated clothing, maybe I heard this, I, I just didn't remember it or just passed right by me because I really didn't care. Uh, because it didn't pertain to me. But there's an age limit. 16 and up can wear permethrin clothing in Canada. Permethrin-treated clothing has been approved for people over the age of 16, including pregnant women. Uh, However, um, they say special considerations, children should, uh, should be kept out of reach of children carrying an infant or young child who may suckle or chew on fabric of the clothing should be avoided women who are pregnant or nursing can wear permethrin treated clothing but it is recommended they not be worn while nursing as it places infant in close contact with the product Hmm. permethrin treated clothing has not been evaluated for pet safety in canada so i guess my dog can keep wearing his pants (laughs) prolonged periods of contact between the clothing and your pet should be avoided so my dog will only wear it half the day. Um, yeah, I wasn't aware there was an age limit on permethrin treated clothing. I didn't know either, yeah. So that was, uh, see, I learned something. Thank you, First Aid Plus. <laughs> I've treated my own clothes for camping, but mm-hmm. uh, 
Well, we actually went out to Mark's and bought a pair of pants oh, yeah? each and a shirt. Yeah. See, I, I, I bought a... You can't easily buy it here, but at the time, it was like just before COVID, it was 2018. I bought a big squirt bottle of a big jug of it. Yeah. And I treated a bunch of my camping clothes. But then the very the first trip I went on, it's like, you know, you spend, you know, half the trip up to your shoulders in water type thing. And it's like, well, I'm pretty sure this stuff isn't in there anymore. Well, I don't know. I think with the stuff that we got from Manufactured. Marks, yeah. yeah. So that's impregnated into the fiber. Yeah. You can wash it so many times. Six but, or ten times. Yeah. But they say don't dry it in the dryer. Let it yes. hang dry. That yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. Right. So. Hmm. Uh, and the other persons we talked to, Corey and Tegan from Halliburton Forest Paddles, uh, HalliburtonForest.com. Ariana's been contemplating because we saw them, I think it was at the uh, Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show. Okay. And Ariana was him and then Han. And then we were down uh, a couple other places and she sees paddles and him and then Han. And <laughs> <I was> like, <sighs> so we went back and she's looking at beaver tail and otter tail paddles yeah. and stuff. And so she finally settled on, oh, I'm going to get an otter tail. But there was this, you know, just a plain old mm-hmm. otter tail. But there was one at twice the price. And, Black cherry with black walnut design. Yeah. Like it, it's it's a really I nice I saw the looking. battle. It's really yeah. nice. Yeah. Twice the price. So I said, you know what? I'll spend, I'll buy you half that paddle and you pay for the other half. Mm-hmm. So she's got a brand new paddle. Um, she's, yeah, really, really nice paddle there. She's waiting to, to give it a whirl out in the water. Nice. Cool. So I told her she's not allowed to come paddling with me this year. <laughs> 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 I'll learn you. That's, how do you keep your paddle looking good? You don't use it. <laughs> so we're just, I don't want to go back too far off track, but I, just back to the first aid kit. Do you know what the, uh, if you were to test your dog's temperature, do you know what a dog's typical temperature is? Could you guess? I would have to say a dog's typical temperature is about 95. You're, you went the wrong direction. 59? <laughs> that low. Different direction, not magnitude. <laughs> so in in uh, in uh, Celsius, so a human body temperature is 37. And in Fahrenheit, a human body temperature is 98.6. A dog's temperature is just 2 or 3 degrees higher. So it's like 99. 98 to 101-102. Okay. And 37 to... So 37 is human, and it's 38.3 to 39.2, basically 39 degrees for a dog. Well, the way I look at it, if I'm sticking a thermometer up a dog's butt out in mm-hmm. the bush, if the dog bites me, you don't need to check his temperature. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> no, don't need to check your temperature. You clearly have no issues. <laughs> hey, who wants to go camping? Not me. <laughs> Not after what happened last time. Yeah. Uh, Ch- chances are your dog's pretty much comatose. If you are, yeah. some calamity has happened, and it's like, uh oh, maybe the dog has hypothermia. I, I don't even have a. I don't think my own first aid kit has a thermometer. Thermometer. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know anybody that's ever had to take a temperature out in the bush. No, I don't know. Yeah, me neither. But I mean, with the dogs and stuff, like they can't actually, you know, communicate. Like, mm-hmm. you know, hey man, how you feeling? Whew, I'm sweating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rover. 
These dog days of summer, they're just killing me. I'm going to take my own temperature because apparently I'm hallucinating the dog's talking to me now. <laughs> it's going to be a bad one. Uh, uh, all in all, it was a good uh, a good day out. We got to see some family and friends. Um, there, you know, there's a couple of people that came out to see uh, me speak at the um the show because they listen to the podcast yeah. i mean they're ottawa way that sort of thing so they came out and said hello and whatnot so that was really nice and uh, yeah got to see some family and some more friends that are we haven't seen you know we only see them once in a while when we're camping or something like that so i haven't seen your talk haven't you no i wasn't at the toronto show i wasn't at the ottawa show how many places have you done this talk just toronto a couple of times yeah 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 well, I'm not putting it on just for you, buddy. Well, I don't think I missed out. Yeah. Oh, you did. You did. <laughs> you totally missed out. There was hamburgers. <laughs> I was handing out beers to every person that yeah. listened to me. So you missed out, buddy. There were good beers. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, remember the MacGuffins? Joni and Gary MacGuffin? I do remember that. Um, big time in the... So superior water, tra- uh, superior water trail, a lot of conservation stuff. Uh, we got one of their books, uh, right there, way over, way over there. Superior. That it's a photo. One? The paper one there? No, that that blue one. Yeah, paper. No, there's plastic. <laughs> it's fake paper. Uh, yeah, photography stuff. I think I've got a couple of books by them actually. Um, yeah, the, all the photography they do and stuff like that. So for two, nearly two decades, uh, 20 years, mm-hmm. just in case. <laughs> just in case I can't Just in case you, you weren't math. quite sure yet. You're counting <laughs> your fingers, I saw. Uh, Joni and Gary McGuffin have worked tirelessly to protect area waters and help maintain a healthy watershed as part of the Lake Superior Watershed Conservancy. And they're out of uh, the Sault Ste. Marie area. Yeah. Right? That's where they do a lot of their stuff. Now they will be taking their years of experience to new heights as they prepare to carry out their roles as official advisors for an upcoming traveling exhibition with the Smithsonian Institute on the Boreal Forest, the planet's largest terrestrial ecosystem. Uh, so this isn't just going to be like, you know, go down to what is it, Washington to the Smithsonian and see this little exhibit, right? No, it's traveling, isn't it? It's a traveling one. The, the exhibition called Knowing Nature, Stories of the Boreal Forest opens this week at Michigan State University in East Lanx, Lansing, Michigan, which where we were, uh, and will invite grade school classes and the public to learn about the biodiversity and global importance of the boreal through first-hand accounts. Developed by the Smithsonian, Smithsonian I always want to put a T in there, I don't know why. <laughs> The Smithsonian Institute Traveling Exhibition Service, the MacGuffins have the honor of kicking off the long-awaited expo with the very first educational program of its five-year tour. So there's going to be five years it's going to be touring. Hmm, that's impressive. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. That's a big commitment. Mm-hmm. Whatever contribution Gary and I can help make and excite young people and people in general about this forest is really exciting, Joni McGuffin says. Nearly 40 years ago, the McGuffins set out on a journey to explore the boreal by canoe, and they have since paddled to practically every corner of the forest's vast landscape, from Alaska to Lake Superior to Labrador and Nunavut. 
That's a huge That's, area. Yes. Describing their expedition through the forest as an incredibly immersive and sensory-inducing experience, Joni McGuffin says the impact of the boreal, along with the countless species and billions of songbirds living within it, cannot be ignored. The boreal affects all of us, she says. We all breathe in the air from the boreal. It makes twice as much oxygen for our planet than the rainforests do. I did not know that. I did. I heard about that. Really? I think we talked about this once years Didn't ago we? on this show. Yeah. Hmm. I figured I would have remembered that. Yeah, but the boreal forest is a huge expanse, yeah. right? I just didn't know about the, the oxygen bit. Hmm. It also has a lot to do with temperature. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we often don't think of the boreal as producing the air we breathe. It cleans the waters and does all these living processes that affect our lives every single day. And in addition to being advisors for the expedition, the MacGuffins are also contributors to the project through Gary's photography. Like I said, with his books and stuff like that, like the photography Gary does is like astounding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's provided a collection of his own images taken from the north shore of Lake Superior, a body of water that has a significant tie with the boreal. A big part of this expedition is about the health of the boreal that surrounds Lake Superior. It's like the greatest lake meets the greatest forest on earth. The two stories are incredibly powerful about our care of water and forest and indigenous worldview of the landscapes. It's a super exciting connection to make. Now, because of their deep-rooted and personal experiences with the boreal, the MacGuffins met with members of the Smithsonian uh, Institution in Washington back in 2010. So this is like 13 years. This has been cooking for a while. Right? Uh, in 2019, the expo was formed under the guidance of Carol Bossert, Bossert, the project manager for science at the Smithsonian. And, uh, they didn't want to have the exhibition where you had to go to Washington DC to experience it. By making it a traveling exhibition, it can go from communities like Sault Ste. Marie which would be an amazing opportunity. So yeah, it'll, it'll travel around and around and around to different spots. The Smithsonian's, Smithsonian is such a big institution, and to have them tell the story of the boreal forest is very significant, so we're very excited to be a part of it. Hoping to connect with people in a moving way, McGuffin says a major part of the expo will be to highlight the importance of protecting and respecting the boreal on a climate level, as well as the hundreds of First Nations group who are situated along its gigantic landscape. So this is a lot of, um, it's a big project for them. Like I say, it's been since 2010. They've been trying to get this going, 2019. And its first stop is Lansing, Michigan? In Lansing, Michigan, yeah. Hmm. And uh, um, according to a news release from Smithsonian, the 2,500-square-foot exhibition will include a three-foot birch bark canoe model, which showcases traditional canoe-building methods used by the Constance Lake First Nation. Tour will also feature a pair of handmade snowshoes in the Cree-pointed toe style, as well as a pair of earrings made from birch bark and moose hide, in a canvas bag painting painted using natural dyes and decorations seen on caribou hunting coats. 
The MacGuffins will lead the first educational tour in East Lansing, Michigan for a group of grade four and five students. And that's this month that happens. Yes. Right? So exhibition will remain in the Michigan State University until November 12th before it travels to different venues across Canada and the U.S. over the next five years. They haven't named any further future locations. Not yet. There's all that still up in the air right now to, yeah. to get everything all nailed down. But, I mean, until they, it's, it's in the one location until November. Yeah. So that gives them a little bit of time to get at least the next couple spots in, in line. Uh, we're really hoping it moves around and we're able to do more associated educational programming. Uh, Joni says we'll certainly be telling the story of the Conservancy. So that's pretty cool. It's And it's a really big display. It's like yeah. it's, there's a lot of detail here. I'm, I'm on the Smithsonian website now. Yep. And uh, so they they do say it's touring right through summer 2027, but there's no future tour schedule and it's asking me to it is saying I need to request an account to see more detail. <laughs> so get an account, see more details, and then email me the information later. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of different uh, things that uh, they're showing. It's uh, wow. There's like moon rising. There's uh, oh, where does it say? I saw narwhal thing here. There's a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, like I say, the the article said that they they hadn't have all the information, like all the dates set. Yeah, yeah. So once that happens, yeah, I'm sure there'll be a schedule that gets coming yeah. that gets put out. So November twelfth, maybe we'll do another trip down to Michigan State University. I, I hope I assume it's going to move. It's going to come to Toronto, Ottawa area. I got think it's going to come up. Yeah. This, well, they say a Canada in the United States, yeah. right? Yeah. So when it comes out this way, we'll definitely have to make. A, I wonder how much room it takes. Twenty five hundred square feet. Canadian Canoe Museum, I wonder if they could host it. Maybe. Hmm. Something to look forward to. Yeah. Speaking of look forward to, the Arctic Cowboys are back. Oh, yes. yes. Wes Hansen has finalized his team for their second attempt yep. at uh, the... Um, Northwest Passage. Northwest. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm looking right at it. The Northwest Passage. Yeah, the, the big thing with islands and water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, after withdrawing from their attempt to kayak the entire 2,000-plus Northwest Passage last year, uh, after 260 miles, team members have taken valuable lessons they learned and will apply them to their 2023 expedition. Yep. Uh, yeah, everything, you know, y- you can only plan so much. Mother Nature always throws her little tidbits exactly. at you. And so they, they ran into various logistical detail issues. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the major ones why they had to drop out was the fact that they just, there, there was a section that they had to travel that they they were unable to get a food drop. And uh, so logistically, they they couldn't carry enough food to get to the mm-hmm. next food drop. Well, that and the weather. The, so the weather was the weather slowing was them a, down. They had big, a lot yeah. of a lot more holdovers than they expected because yeah. of... Well, even the, the beginning yeah. held them up, right? Yeah. So... Constant bad weather. Uh, you know what? But I mean, you, you can only you can only plan for so much, mm-hmm. right? So hopefully, fingers crossed, it goes well. Yeah. Uh, for 2023, the team will prepare for up to eight weeks without resupply in order to cover the distance from Baffin Bay to their first resupply point at Cambridge Bay, roughly halfway through the passage. Uh, they may be able to arrange a resupply drop if sponsorship funding and or grants are approved. 
And if you want to help sponsor this expedition, mm-hmm. just contact West directly and he'll be happy to chat with you. Additionally, the team is working on funding for a documentary crew to cover this historic expedition and it has been coordinating efforts with a prize winning production company. Well, that would complicate matters having a team that follows them because you have to do the same paddling. Well, well, they they may have a boat. To follow I you, guess, right? yeah. Or if you certain, mo- if you mow along spots. with them, yeah. yeah, yeah, they may not be following you like every minute of the day, mm-hmm. right? They may hit some we're cameras gonna, on your. We're going to motor and, on ahead and set up cameras yeah. and wait for you guys to come around that point. Yeah. Oh look, he just got eaten by a bear. <laughs> <laughs> get it on Did film. <laughs> Uh, team has upgraded their video photography gear with the latest in high def equipment and is testing satellite transfers for the still shot. So that way you can see stuff as you go, right? Which would be good. That, yeah. that gets the public into it. People can watch. People can live vicariously through them and, right. and it'll bring in more, more support dollars and stuff, which is what they're going to need. It's, this oh, is yeah. not a cheap thing no. to execute. I mean, these are people that, you know, I mean, this is what they're doing. This is, you don't make yeah. billions of dollars at this. No, you know, they, they're not making money. Definitely, it's costing no. them in the end. Yeah. But, like, I, I've been watching him go through logistics. Like, there's some of his boats are in transit to get up there. There's, like, dog sled team towing it partway. And so there, there's a lot of getting his stuff transferred. So instead of flying stuff in, he's getting it hauled across the you ice. you got to find the cheapest way to yeah, do it, right? Exactly. So. Uh, departing around the beginning of July, descending on sea ice conditions, the team will once again launch from Baffin Bay, kayak west into the passage. This year, they're taking a larger team, five to six kayakers. Um, but I think it's four, isn't it? Just four of them, yeah. Yeah. So there's, uh, if you look on the website, there's, uh, it shows the, uh, the four of them, plus there's two others, that are like for support team, support crew. Right. One is his sister, and one is the guy who's like, he runs all the communications and, and website and stuff like that. Right. Uh, so joining West Hansen and Jeff Wiesty this year, uh, the first one, Eileen, you think it's Visser? Yeah, Visser. Visser spent her 15 years off grid in an Alaskan cabin, is an NAUI diver, wilderness first responder since 2013, and newly minted EMT. There That'll come in handy. Mm-hmm. Uh, studied biology, theology at Notre Dame, uh, oceanography and statistics at North Carolina State. Ocean and Fishery Science at the University of Washington. She got her PhD. Her research is focused on Dungeness and blue crabs, as well as dragonflies and mosquitoes, culminating in a 14-year contract with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers doing habitat mitigation of dredging impact on crab populations. She has three grown children, teaches biology at St. Lawrence University, and competes in dog agility with her border collie, Mika. Wow. Mm-hmm. She plans to incorporate a microplastic collection along the journey for analysis upon her return. Uh, you see, everything she does too, eh? An endurance paddler and hiker, 13 Adirondack, 90 milers under her belt with several first places, including beating in a touring class boat, all ca- classes of K1s in 2021, all touring K1s in 2022, holds course records for K1 touring women and K2 mixed, completed three General Clintons, C2 and K1, including a first place for C2 mixed in 2022. Both of her Yukon River quests resulted in award finishing positions. 
uh, second K1 overall in 2018 in her self-made Guillemot Night Heron, and fourth place in the last-minute fill-in on a C4 team in 2017. She's an ADK 46er and regularly does multiple peak ascents as day trips, generally in winter when solid water uh, precludes paddling. She enjoys backpacking in Glacier National Park, the North Cascades, and the Adirondacks. Hmm. Holy smokers, Batman! (laughs) I know! Uh, Oh, her (laughs) recreation trips have included canoe camping in the ADKs, uh, that's the Adirondacks, I take it. Yep. Uh, and the Okefenokee Swamp, backcountry skiing, leading student ecology trips in Alaska and Iceland. Her Irish mother's maiden name is Shackleton. Shackleton. Family lore claims Sir Ernest is her ancestor, so polar expedition runs in Eileen's blood. Well, there so you go. I know you had thrown your hat into the ring. I wasn't going to say anything till we went through Mars. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You could have given her a run for her money. <laughs> so, so when I first saw when I first saw the post that he's saying, "Hey, we're looking for a 2023 team crew," and uh, I emailed him immediately. Like he posted at like ten after nine in the morning, and by quarter after ten, I had responded to him. He responded back to me immediately, and he was so excited. He's like, "Absolutely!" Because we've met West, right? Yeah, we yeah. we spent a day with him. We've been talking to him over the years, and so he was so excited that I was. Uh, volunteering and it's like I was so excited and you know I, I met a lot of the a lot of requirements one thing is like financially I could uh, do it yeah I could do it financially I had the money in savings to pay for a lot of the stuff because it was it was going to cost a lot of money like in lost wages and money it was going to cost me $8,000 right so yeah, you could sell off one of your kids <laughs> exactly. to the highest bidder Anyway, so he was all excited. Yeah, right on, right on. And uh, and then, like, within a week or so, he was like, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's about your resume. <laughs> no, it wasn't about my resume. It was that there was so many more higher qualified yeah. and more experienced people. His main concern is that I didn't have open ocean paddling experience. Like I've paddled around Vancouver Island, but mm-hmm. that doesn't really give you open ocean. And like, you're going to be in some pretty rough waters. So like you have to be, so have to have some ability, agility and confidence, right? Well, so, they have, every team has to have one disposable person. Right. That's what my thought was. <laughs> I, I can't believe you didn't take you. <laughs> Some didn't blame everything on. Blame it on the right. Canadian. Blame it on that guy. <laughs> that guy, yeah. So there's what, three uh, Americans and one Scotsman. Yes. So let's talk uh, about the Scotsman. Mark Agnew um, <laughs> has been in the great outdoors his whole life. Born and raised in Edinburgh, Scotland. Moving to Hong Kong. Uh, Mark is rarely not camping, hiking, trail running, rowing, or kayaking. In his 20s, Mark began to take adventure more seriously and attempted his first major expeditions. However, they did not go as planned. Mark was rescued from the Atlantic in a bid to set the world record for rowing from the Canary Islands uh, to the Caribbean, then rescued again, attempting the same feat two years later. If at first you don't succeed... Try, try again. Right. The failures hit Mark hard. He was forced into a period of introspective wondering what he really wants out of adventure. In a bid to rebuild his mental strength for upcoming adventures, he began to push himself beyond his limits. Uh, Mark has run countless ultra marathons, including the notorious Hong Kong 100K, with over 5,000 meters of cumulative elevation gain. Ouch. Yeah. 
He rode around Hong Kong Island, spent days kayaking from remote island to remote island, living out of a tent. Ventures gave Mark an immense reservoir of resilience and faith in his own ability to push and survive in the wild. With his newfound or refound confidence, Mark began to dream of bigger things. The Northwest Passage has long held sway over his imagination growing up in Britain. The likes of Franklin, you know, uh, never far away from the news. Mark is now determined to explore the Arctic with the Cowboys, build deep and lasting friendships through an enormous shared effort, and ultimately achieve this world, uh, this world's first together. Mark is an adventure sports journalist, author, and speaker. He recently moved to London and became a father. Mark's father mapped out part of Greenland and Patagonia, was the first person to walk north to south across Patagonia ice cap, led expeditions to Antarctica and the Himalayas, just in case you're wondering where he gets it from. <laughs> <laughs> so, you got a guy like this, you got an ancestor, Shackleton. Yeah. I can't believe he didn't take you. I'm going to have to call. Uh, I'm going to have to and call then West. West and, and yeah, yeah J- West and Jeff. Yeah. You know. ah. Very highly talented, experienced. They, Paddler, they, they've done yeah. the Amazon. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't see what they have over you, Derek. I know, I know. Right? I mean, <laughs> should, I, should I place a call? Should I place a call? No. You sure? <laughs> I got West on speed dial. Yo, West, buddy, come on. Well, you know, I have to. That's what they got all this. I could be a backup if they need a ringer, right? It's like, hey, you know what? One of us got eaten by a polar bear. Derek, fly in. Oh, I can be eaten by a polar bear just as good. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's uh, the, the talent in this crew that are going to yeah. do this trip. Is uh, well, you, you want you want people that are cream of the crop, and yeah. you know you're not, not going to have to worry trip. about. It's not yeah. a it's it's, oh, it's, it's yeah. a slog. It's yeah, it's not like going so to the store. You're talking like three plus months of travel, mm-hmm. and it's not the best ideal weather conditions. You uh, are unlikely like they're going to be going. They, they're not going in near any towns or communities, so chances are at those temperatures, it, unless you sponge bath, you're gonna reek. Like you're gonna go three months without a shower. It's like, well, if it's cold, your nose is stuffed, so you're not gonna smell anybody. True, true, right? True, true. See, Plus, you have a dry suit on, so it yeah. keeps that smell sealed in, right? <laughs> oh, soaking in until your own you, juices. Until you pull it off and sleep in a tent next to everybody. I'm <laughs> thinking once you put that on, four months later you take it off. <laughs> Not before. Imagine a, imagine in a tent with with four people on a protein diet and high energy diet and... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not imagining that. So, uh, yeah, if you want to, if, if you're able to add some sponsorship uh, to the group, then, uh, yeah, contact West Hansen directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll be able to follow the team in real time this summer. Yes. Yeah, I was excited to watch them last summer, and I was, of course, you, you feel just as much disappointment in them if, as they did because they, when they when they ran into their issues and and so on. So it's uh, I'm going to excitedly watch them again this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of excitement, <laughs> Victoria Beckham, <laughs> slow news day, fell off a stand up paddleboard while on vacation for her 49th birthday. That was the whole article. 
<laughs> the whole article was yeah. that Victoria Beckham fell off a fell off a stand up paddleboard. Yeah, we're not talking injured. We're not talking. Well, that's why danger. I read it. I think it's got to be something. She got wet. You're right. Climbed back on. And David, her hubby, there took it, a picture. Somehow it made the news. How, how is this a thing? I don't know. That's crazy. I don't know. Huh. Now, if Kim Kardashian had fallen off, <laughs> there may have been maybe two more lines See, of, now, of now, news. So we laugh about it, and, and I imagine that like the late night shows might make a joke about it or two, but we're not helping a situation by even mentioning it, because this is the stuff that, it's like, why is this... Well, it makes you wonder. Like I say, I spent all the time. Why am I being this told about to fi- this to find out what I missed? And I yeah. found out I missed nothing. You missed she f- nothing. She fell off, went splash. Yeah. In other news, <laughs> <laughs> other news that wasn't even news. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, Stand up paddle boards. We'll stick on that. A 17 year old is recovering from spending 20 hours stranded on a stand up paddle board after being swept for more than 40 kilometers off the Portuguese coast. That's nuts. What kind of current is that? Like, big time. 20 wind. hours, 40 kilometers? Yeah. Wind and current. Boy, um, boy, he's moving. Erica Vicente was paddling, paddle boarding on a well touristed Algarve coast when the wind and ocean currents pushed her out to sea. Her so apparently it says in the article her dad dove in to try to get her. Oh, but it was that fast that she was out of reach. She was gone. Father immediately called emergency services, sparked an unsuccessful search involving cars, boats, and helicopters. Cars, I guess, going up and down the coastline. Yeah. Unless they got different cars over in Portugal than we got here. I don't know. <laughs> Her father, uh, yes, he called them like immediately. Wearing only a bathing suit, she spent the night alone exposed to the cold and most of the next day in the hot sun oh. as temperatures soared to the high 20s. Finally, the crew of a merchant ship MSC Reef spotted the girl as it headed for Tangier in Morocco and pulled her to safety. Wow. Uh, she was suffering from an elevated state of hypothermia. Authorities say, but improved rapidly on the Air Force flight to hospital. First degree sunburn, but otherwise physically unharmed. One of the doctors responsible for her recovery said the exhausted 17-year-old is a warrior. With so much time at sea and conditions of maximum stress, it's surprising for everyone. You need the survival instinct. Mm -hmm. The will to live. The first rescuers arrived within 25 minutes of her dad raising the alarm. 25 minutes. Within 25 minutes, she was gone. Couldn't be found. Right. Uh, Almost a whole day later, following the most moonless, uh, an almost moonless night, that further complicated rescue, she was finally rescued and she's recovering now with her parents. So. Wow. Wowzers. Because we talked about that. Could you imagine just. Like, (laughs) we've talked about paddling somewhere and you're, oh, yeah, the island's over there and it's totally missing it. Yeah. And they're way out to sea somewhere, Mm -hmm. having no idea. (laughs) <laughs> and she's in the middle of a paddleboard with with nothing. We hear about it oftentimes with uh, people who are shipwrecked at sea, and mm-hmm. and they're on a lifeboat, and you know they spend like three, four months floating along on the on the on the tides and the currents and, yeah. the, and the wind with nothing but a volleyball yeah. and a bloody handprint. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw that Something in there. Like that. <laughs> Something like that. Right? 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 
<laughs> you, you just hope that you, uh, you know, you have some sort of something to like fit, go fishing or, or, you know, and like you hope for rain. And if you have a tarp, you can collect some rainwater. And it's like, that would be my big, like, not the food, not the water and all that. But making sure I had a, a way to stay out of the sun. That would be a big thing. Can you imagine just being fried to a crisp? Yeah. Like I burned so water fast blisters. already. Like you're already yeah. dehydrated and then your body wants to start making water blisters because you got sunburned. Yeah. And so all that liquid is being wasted. It's yeah. like, wow. Oh, wow. So she's been found. She's recovering yeah, nicely good for and good, 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 for, good. good for her. Uh, Lake Wakama. North Carolina, just north of Myrtle Beach. A Wakamasuan Indian tribe helped archaeologists excavate a 28-foot canoe out of Lake Wakama, um, April 12th, believed at least a 1,000 years old. Local reports state that the canoe was found while three teenagers were swimming in the lake during the summer of 2021. Uh, the Wakamasuan Indian tribe of North Carolina is one of eight state recognized American Indian tribes in North Carolina. They call themselves people of the falling star because of their history near the lake. Their oral history tells that the lake was created long ago when a meteor crashed into the earth and nearby waterways flowed into the crater, causing a unique blue green appearance, unlike other lakes in the area. Uh, Chief Michael Jacobs says the canoe supports the tribe's oral history that they have been here for thousands of years. For years and years, we've always been questioned about our history and where we came from and who we are. Now we have physical history to back it up, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Uh, one of the teenagers who found the canoe while swimming said he initially thought it was a log, but when he tried to pick it up, he couldn't. His family contacted the North Carolina Office of State Archaeology, which sent a team to examine the canoe and move it under a dock until it could be safely excavated. Uh, dozens of tribal citizens of the Wakamasuan Indian tribe over and other community members observed the canoe excavation. Canoe was immediately placed in a chamber covered with dried and dried with towels wrapped in plastic to prevent further deterioration. The canoe will be treated with chemicals in a lab to be preserved for future observation. Uh, Right now, the canoe will be displayed during an open house at the Queen Anne's Revenge Conservation Laboratory in Greenville, North Carolina on April 22nd. So you know what I take out of all of this? (laughs) What's that? I need to make a wooden canoe and store it underwater because them babies last forever. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm getting out of this. Out of all these stories we've talked about over Mm -hmm. the last few years of all these canoes being found. One of the things I find mind-blowing, well, not just the age of it, but this canoe, this dugout, was 28 feet long. Mm Mm-hmm. That's insane. That's 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 longer than four of me head to toe. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's big. (laughs) That, that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of canoe. Yeah. Well, you figure probably towing toting stuff around, right? Yeah. Fishing and stuff like that. Yeah. Nets and. Well, you have multiple people on a on a hunting or fishing expedition mm-hmm. doing so. It does make sense to have such a long uh, long you know canoe. It just I, I, you don't think of. <laughs> well, well, how long is a Voyager's canoe? Do we know that? Fifty. 
say what? Sorry, no, t- 25 feet. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry, 50, 50, what's the 50 I think number? That's a bad guess, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> some, some, there's, uh, there's something to do with 50 in a in a Voyager canoe. But yeah, like 25 feet. Well, maybe it is 50 feet. No, it's only 25 <laughs> feet. There's a 50 in something. Anyway, yeah, I mean, to have something like that. Yeah, yeah, 28 feet. That's a massive canoe, isn't it? But it doesn't say, it doesn't give all the, the dimensions, though. Uh, online it says a typical Voyager canoe is 25 foot long. Yeah. Is there anything about 50 in there? No. It's got to be so, I got to figure out where I got that 50 from. Oh, maybe it's two of them together. <laughs> Voyager canoes are 36 feet, 12 meters long, 5 foot wide, carry up to 12, 14, 12 to 14 paddlers, and they're camping and cooking gear, food, and a multi-day trips. They're very stable, seaworthy, easy to paddle, and well suited for Lake Superior. Ba-dum-bum. Well, 36 feet isn't very far from 50. No, 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 it's not. Right? It's, it's also not far from 100 feet. Right? See, Voyager canoes are 100 feet long, 60 feet wide. Anyway, so yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to find any more of these. Now, if you figure you find one, you might start looking for more, right? Well, so this kind of makes you think. It's like how many times have you come across something? Oh, look at that sunken log there. And you ignore it and you move on. And somebody else says, oh, look at that sunken log there. You see it, you know, you move on. So now people are going to be going, huh. We're going to be digging up every log. There's going to be logs coming out of the lakes everywhere because people go, that that log might be something more than just a log. Right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> and with with the fresh cold water of some of these northern lakes, it's they they naturally preserve a lot of these things. Like it's it's incredible to like when you see maybe up in the Northwest Passage some of these ships that were sunk like 100 plus years ago or whatever, mm-hmm. like these these expedition ships, they're still in pristine condition because of the temperature it causes the temperatures yeah. uh, as i was reading a thing the other day it was a was at lake superior there's a there's a logging company uh, boat and barge that they discovered within the last 10 years or so and and they went down the divers took pictures and like or they actually it was submersible it was like 200 feet deep or something but the, the brass gauges for for wind direction speed and all that stuff and the, the whole console is still there and pristine condition brass really yeah hmm. it was incredible wild yeah well it'll be interesting to uh find out if there's more things going on mm-hmm. uh i came across because we talk everything canoes right and um i saw this thing called the egg canoe okay what do you think it is uh, when, and don't uh, be peeking. Baby chickens want to go on canoe trips. You yes. build a little egg canoe. Egg canoe, yeah. You got a whole bunch of them. Or Send it's, them down a, the river. it's a little. So I haven't read any of this. I have no idea. So I don't know. Is it something you put your eggs in to keep them from breaking on a canoe trip? Egg canoe that's popular on the internet right now is a piece of bread or roll slightly hollowed out, filled with an egg and baked. It's fun to make, especially with kids. And in this version, you will get excellent excuse to indulge in everybody's favorite Hawaiian rolls, which I have never heard of, but they don't look like egg, egg buns. It sounds like an egg in a nest or whatever. So you right. You a hole in the middle of a slice of bread, you put a cook an egg in the middle of it. And yeah. You... Uh, best route is to leave a dozen rolls, because you know how sometimes you'll buy like the roll, they're only little, little buns, right? Mm-hmm. You can get 12 of them and they're all yeah. stuck together. Yeah. You put that... Into a pan. 
mm-hmm. a buttered pan. You take two and you cut a hole, like an oval hole, on two of them. So each person gets two buns mm-hmm. with one. So you get six total out of the dozen, yeah. right? Butter melted, uh, thick cut bacon, which is already pre-cooked, mm-hmm. uh, grated cheddar cheese, eggs, salt, pepper to taste, and freshly snipped chives. Set the oven at 350 degrees. Brush the bottom sides of a pan with one tablespoon of butter, an eight-inch square pan. In a skillet, place the bacon in a single layer, cover the skillet, cook medium, blah, blah, blah. You know how to get like your bacon. Until they're golden brown and crispy with tongs, transfer the bacon to a plate lined with paper towel. Bacon is cooked enough to handle. Chop it coarsely. So you chop it up. Bacon bits. Homemade bacon bits. Put the holes in your in your buns with a paring knife. Uh, cut out six openings for the fillings. Each opening will have to be oval shaped. Take up the center of two neighboring rolls. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, leave a quarter to a half inch border around each pairing. Divide the bacon and cheddar cheese among the six openings. Crack one egg into each opening. Brush the top of the rolls with the remaining butter. Bake 25 to 30 minutes until whites are set. Sprinkle and with salt and pepper and chives. Hmm. I'm thinking of this. And realistically, you could do this in a reflector oven. Ooh, ooh you could. If you took the buns so, uh, and have some eggs, and you get one of the eggs in one of those protective thingies. Yeah. And you could pre-cook your bacon at home and chop it. Yeah. You can pre-grate your, your cheese. You could make a tray to cook it in just out of aluminum foil. Bring a roll so you're not yeah. bringing anything heavier. You don't need the pan. I mean, we always bring a pan anyway. Yeah. That we put so inside. that would work. That would yeah. work. Yeah. And then you just stick them in all that and you cook it beside the fire in uh, your hmm. reflector oven. Hmm. Right? This would be, be great fun. on a on like a, a rain day or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sitting there and you're eating this under the tarp. Yep. Absolutely. It's rain day or labor day. You know, this is going to yeah. be brunch. Egg canoes. Huh. Uh-huh. Or you, what do you call them? Egg in a, egg egg in in a, a nest. Egg in a nest. <laughs> yeah. Ta-da. There you go. Uh, last thing I got here. This one sounds pretty cool. Um, this is I'm a think- neat thing. It I'm, is a neat thing. I like thing. this idea. I have concerns. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely concerns that they're going to have to figure out on this one. San Angelo, Texas. Uh, The San Angelo City Council approved an agreement for operation by a local resident for a new kayak rental concession kiosk. Uh, George Janka is a local resident, grew up fishing out of kayaks, but recognizing that owning kayaks is not always easy. As much fun as it can be, there are challenges that present themselves with owning kayaks, like he says. Storage. People have to think about what they're going to haul the boats with, upfront costs, purchasing the equipment, general maintenance of the personal equipment. That is where I landed the idea of having a rental kiosk available to the public on Lake Nasworthy. But this isn't like a little building, because that's the first thing I thought was, okay, he's got a little building. People come up, they rent a kayak from home, yep. out they go. Come back in. He takes it all, takes Mm -hmm. their money, says, have a nice day. No, he wanted to provide an affordable and accessible option for San Angelo residents to get outdoors, pointing out that other rental facilities can be closed at odd times, workers not available to run the location. The kayak kiosk will allow people to rent without human interaction. 
Unit can be accessed remotely with the software from his phone or computer if any issues arise. Additionally, the kiosk will be of uh, completely solar powered. Uh, to operate a kayak, customers will be required to agree to a liability ra- waiver, swipe their card, and the lockers will unlock for access to paddle, the PPE, and the kayak itself. To return the kayak, customers will swipe the same card in order to unlock the specific lockers to return the equipment. Items are rented out by the hour, and the machine will compute how long they have been out and upcharge as necessary. He hopes to have the kayak in operation, uh, the kiosk in operation before Memorial Day, so people of the community can enjoy the holiday on the water. He will offer single and double kayaks or paddle boards, and will be located at Mary E. Lee Park at Lake Nasworthy, right next to the Marina Fishing Pier. So this is pretty cool. It's like this standalone big metal thing. It's got four locker yep. doors on it, like half lockers, What's I guess. It cost him to set that thing up. You had to have it I would, built. I would think this See, is a... It's electronic software. See, he's got to have another business on the side that maybe he has a vending machine or a company yeah. like that he can... This is like a kayak vending machine. Yeah. Uh, yes. Right? Yeah. That, where you, you swipe your card, a door opens, you yep. take out all the stuff, and it unlocks one of the kayaks that you pull off the rack... Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, you jam swipe it all your car back and, and jam it all back to where it was and So wonder what cleanliness of like, so it, what is it, a life jacket, a paddle? Yeah, uh, they just say P, PPE. So your life jacket, yeah. paddle, whistle, yeah. um, depending on, I guess, whatever the so it'll be, liabilities the, it'll are be Some there. people might complain about cleanliness because, you know, how often you're not going to go out there and we'll clean the life jacket every single time. Mm-hmm. But still, it's it's a it's a really good idea. I like the idea of it. It's uh, gives you like you know how many times like when we have gone to uh, uh, the park and paddled. Uh, what do you call it down on the waterfront? Um, what? Where uh, I go with you? Oh, down at Rotary Park. Rotary Park. Yeah. So we got there, and it's like there's just a couple of random people getting on the water and whatever. It's like there's no booth. There's nobody manning a place, a rental agency, yeah. and most police places. Like, well, if, what if I want to go out and see the sunrise from a kayak? So this is a fantastic idea. It's unmanned. It's electronically controlled. It's uh, you can get all your uh, your paddle and your your PFD and so on right out of the out of the unit. And one hour, two hour, whatever you pay for your use, and you bring the stuff back and and reinstall it, and it gives you you know charge you for the amount of time that you had it out. This is a really good idea. I like mm-hmm. this. This is uh, this guy's. Uh, he's got a good business mind on it. I gotta think that if he if he puts this one here and it works well, you're going to see a whole lot it's of these crop up. pop up. I do have security concerns. Like it oh, that'd be my my only concern with yeah. this. Is because, how does he keep track with the kayak? Yeah, so not just keep track, but how easy is it to, like, somebody's just going to vandalize the machine? That, but, I mean, our, our thing was playing a little devil's advocate when we were talking about this. Uh, so I steal your credit card. Yeah. What well, if I steal something? I go wallet. swipe it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I've got a $500 kayak free. and whatnot for free. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then you get dinged with. So yeah. that that would be my only thing is how mm-hmm. how do you control that sort of exactly aspect of mm-hmm. it? And there's you've got little tracking tags in the kayaks and gear and all that, or yeah. what the dealio is. So be interesting to see. Really cool idea though. Yeah. Uh, if you go to the Concho Valley homepage, C O N C H O 
I just typed that into Google and you can find the article in there uh, about the kayak rental kiosk, a local resident. And you, there's an actual picture of what it's going to look like. Yeah. yeah. And it does look pretty cool. I wonder if there's others out there already. Well, it, it, you know, if there's not, then there's going to be. This is a really good idea. Yeah. Like I've seen these at, uh, at various parks, but you have to go through park staff to get the key for yeah. the lock to unlock it. And, and this just prevents yeah, all of that. This is just, it's all self-controlled. You don't need any human intervention on, on the vendor side. Neat. Mm-hmm. Looks cool. That's, it so. is pretty cool. I like that idea. Um, other than that, that's all I got. I have one last thing. Do you? Yeah. So uh, wow. as we go through this last story, I'm just going to put it out there and do it. Maybe we can get some people to reach out and, and debate this. But uh, yeah, so one of these little concession stands, you call it a kiosk. kiosk. I know them as kiosks. Yes. Yeah. I think potato, potato. <laughs> you think that's what tomato, it is? Tomato, tomato, yeah. I think you're wrong and I think I'm right. You think it's kiosk? I think it's kiosk. I didn't want to say anything because I thought, hey, this I, might I be a good debate. I, I want to hear back from the people. I think I interchange it. Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I interchange potato, it. Potato, potato? Yeah, potato, potato, kiosk, kiosk. <laughs> I'd Scooby, like to, dooby. I want to hear back from people. Please reach out to us. Say, hey, I say it the way Derek says it, or hey, I say it the way Sean says it, or somebody's going to say, you guys are both idiots. Uh, it's said this way. I think it's kiosk. I think it's both. K-I-O-S-K. Kiosk. Kiosk. Kiosk so that's the lake in Algonquin. See? that's Maybe that's what I'm talking about. And you said the lake name wrong. How do you say it? Kaiskashawi. So you say. <laughs> well, let's just to get on a big debate. Do we need to start getting names from over in India now, buddy? Because <laughs> that's why you always make me read the articles. So you don't have to misplace all those names. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think kiosk and kiosk are interchangeable. Okay. I don't think so. Well, I think potato, you're wrong. Potato, potato. Right? Potato, potato, <laughs> tomato, tomato. Potato. Potato, potato, or potatoes, or taters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's different ways to say it. Other than that. Yes. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got. Good, because. Debate uh, me. There's a. Prove me wrong. There's a movie I've been watching about mm-hmm. medieval knights yeah. I want to get back to. Mm-hmm. It's about the a battle that happened in Britain a couple hundred years ago. Couple hundred? Yeah. Like six. Yeah, there was there was there was three knights. Was it Sir James, Sir Charles? Was King Arthur involved? Sir, no, no, Sir something else. James, Charles, and Richard. Richard the third? I don't know. It just said Sir, Sir James. In twenty fourteen they found his body. Sir Richard. In a no, that was lot. King. And, but they thought they would have to fight alone, but there was another knight that showed up. Surprise. Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's for your, your kiosk. Wow. (laughs) Okay. To all the dads out there, that one's for you. I'm not going upstairs to watch TV. I got too much to do. <laughs> I'm thinking, where is he going with this? 
surprise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got nothing else then? No. All right. Well, if you want to find out I'm more. worried you might tell another joke, so I'm keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> That'll learn you. That will learn you. Just next time you come up with something like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, remember what happened last time? I'll just <laughs> shut up now. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream episodes at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Or you can just go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and you can stream or download all our episodes there. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with family, friends, and fellow paddlers. I'd like to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Spest. We'll see you next time. <laughs> 